Welcome to The World in 10, the Times of London's unique take on world events every day. I'm Eleanor Shearwood. And I'm Rebecca Myers. Today, we'll tell you about how a limb-rotting zombie drug, which has caused hundreds of deaths in the US, has gone beyond the border. We've got Kate Blanchett's thoughts on AI too, but we'll start today hearing about those saving lives on the front line of the war in Ukraine. This is an extraordinary story of human resilience and a brilliant innovation by Médecins Sans Frontières, the international organisation Doctors Without Borders. They've worked with the Ukrainian railways to design a medical train to evacuate patients from war zones and even treat them while on board. It's truly remarkable, especially given the context. Since the Russian invasion began, more than 30 Ukrainian hospitals have been destroyed and 200 have been damaged by bombs. The ones that are left are struggling under extremely challenging conditions and staff shortages. They're trying to treat those who've been wounded in the war, but at the same time are having to deal with everyday medical emergencies, things like childbirth. Mark Bennett's got on board with a video camera to find out how they do it, and he's been speaking to people who were treated on the train. Right now, you're hearing Vasil Lishin. He was injured in an artillery attack and was brought to the train in an MSF ambulance. He's telling Mark how when a shell passes you, you hear a whistle or a roar, but when it targets you, you don't hear anything. No incoming sound, no whistle, just an explosion. It's something that's almost impossible for us to understand. Mark's also been speaking to the people helping, so with him on the train was Enzo Porpiglia. He's MSF's area coordinator in eastern Ukraine and told him just how dangerous these journeys are. So we're going in uh, Urakove, which is a town close by Donetsk. It's in Donetsk region and we're going to take a patient from Urakove Hospital. The town where we're going is an active uh, city in terms of conflict and shelling. Um, it's 15 kilometers from the active front line and about one hour and a half ago, three explosions happened in the city centre. And while clearly it's an incredibly difficult environment to work in, Dr Albina Zarkova, who oversees the running of the train, says it's actually quite helpful at the same time. I would say that our work uh, helps to deal with uh, uh, all the emotions uh, during the war in Ukraine uh, because it's happening in my country. We have very good team spirit on the train and uh, this team spirit helps us to manage all the situations and uh, uh, to uh, survive all the mental health issues uh, in our project. And since the war began, they have evacuated more than 3,300 patients on this train, including elderly citizens, psychiatric patients. It truly is an amazing video and an amazing article and I'd really recommend anyone listening to this who's interested, go to the Times website, read it for yourselves. You might have heard this warning from Senator Chuck Schumer a couple of months ago. We're seeing a new type of drug that's being mixed with fentanyl and other addictive services. And this is turning the opioid crisis into a nightmare. It's a deadly, skin-rotting, zombie drug that's bringing a horrific wave of overdoses across the country and is spreading further. Yeah, he's talking about xylazine, also known as trank dope. This drug has become a real issue in the US. It's been linked to thousands of fatal overdoses, especially since 2021. 
And the consequences are pretty horrific. For regular users, it can actually rot the skin, either where the puncture is or in extremities like limbs. That obviously can cause severe pain and often people have to get limbs amputated. So you might ask if there are consequences like this, then why are people taking it? Well, often they don't know that they are. Dealers tend to mix it into drugs like fentanyl or heroin, and some users like to cut their opioids with it to lengthen the high. And this problem isn't restricted to America. It's been discovered outside America for the first time here in the UK. It was detected by toxicologists at a university in London, and the Times has established the victim's identity, a 43-year-old man who died in the West Midlands last year. You would have thought that this would have had a massive impact. And actually, in the Times piece, it does say that this should have sounded alarm bells because really it poses a threat to vulnerable addicts throughout Britain. But the Times reports that the inquest of this man that died was completed within three months, which suggests they didn't even look into who'd supplied it. Dominic Kennedy is the Times investigations editor, and he's been looking at the story and says it most likely goes beyond just one man. There appears to be no intelligence and no response to this death. The man concerned died in May of last year, just over a year ago, and no alert seems to have been raised. By definition, this means that xylazine is present in illicit drug supplies in Britain. It must be more than just him who has received it. Mm. It's not routinely tested for, so People are not looking out for it. We, we've no idea how bad this is, but it certainly could be the tip of a very large iceberg. So there's been a lot of build-up of this announcement. We've had announcements about the expected announcements. <laughs> and as we record this, it is just a few hours until we're expecting Ron DeSantis to finally end speculation and announce he's running for president. Yeah, this has been described as the worst-kept secret in American politics. But so far, DeSantis has failed to stop Donald Trump taking the lead among Republicans. Of course, he's going to be looking to change that. And later on, he's expected to play this age card. Obviously, he's 44. Trump is 76. We're also anticipating him saying he'll take a more vigorous approach combined with an anti-woke agenda. That's right. He's making the announcement in a broadcast on Twitter in conversation with its owner, Elon Musk. We've been hearing from Kenneth Lee Adelman. He's a former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. and was also an advisor to a number of Republican presidents, including George W. Bush, Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon. He told us this strategy does have its merits. It's unusual, but it's a very clever way. Why is that? Because Elon Musk has, you know, I don't know how many, but gobs and gobs, gobs of uh, followers on Twitter. So you get a really, really big audience. You get somebody who a lot of people admire, Elon Musk, for various reasons. So you pin yourself to him. And um, it's novel. It's, it's interesting. It's more you know, exciting and more interesting than standing up and uh, at a podium and saying, I'm announcing I'm running for president of the United States. Now, of course, the Times will be following this closely. There's already a piece up telling you all about who DeSantis is, and there'll be more analysis coming overnight. You might have been 
following the Cannes Film Festival recently, and if that's the case, you will have found it pretty tricky to miss hearing about Kate Blanchett. How could you have avoided it? The Louis Vuitton <laughs> dress with the bejeweled pockets, which I think are the best part of any outfit. Absolutely. Or when she presented an award barefoot in honour of the woman of Iran, breaking a de facto rule that they should always wear heels. That rule does baffle me. Anyway, she's now been speaking to Times Radio. It's a very wide-ranging interview covering the rise of the documentary, her thoughts on playing fluid gender roles and quite literally everything in between. Well, on that note, here are her thoughts on AI and how it links to looks and confidence. Self-consciousness, it's an enemy for any artist or anyone mm. wanting to create anything. I think it's its about connecting out into the conversations and saying, what does this face, this body, this age offer me? And I think the AI conversation is only exacerbating that. Um, but I, I'm, I'm actually more concerned, to be honest, with the effect of these technologies on on the creators themselves. Like, what what is going to be the impact on for writers, for for actors? You know, are we going to have to copyright our own faces? Um, but I don't know what I don't know what the um, onslaught of AI is going to to bring in terms of the human element of of what I love about what I do. Now, most athletes fear and will do everything they can to avoid getting injured. So it's a bit of a double nightmare to not only get injured before a major event, but to get injured doing a sport that isn't even your own. Well, that's the situation for Ferrari's Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. They took part in a charity football match five days before the Monaco Grand Prix. Signs went off with a bruised thigh while Leclerc did an extraordinary headfirst fall. Yes, their bosses will be praying that they will both be OK for the real sporting event they are actually paid to compete in <laughs> in a few days' time. It looks like they will, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's all for today's World in 10. We'll be back tomorrow bringing you more of the best from the Times of London. 